to see the demon in you doesn't want to come out and play. I can see the demon in you doesn't want to come out and play. Everybody say, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Everybody say, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Everybody say, Back to the Fuck The Shit Podcast, it's your boy Dre. Back again, you already know we start the podcast off the same way each and every time. Thank y'all for taking the time out to listen to this motherfucker. I know we all got busy days and shit, and other shit that you like to partake in. So, you know what I'm saying? Thanks for throwing us in the rotation today, you feel me? Uh, It's just me today, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Back on the solo tip, the way the podcast started. I know we didn't have... Shit, Xavier been on the podcast, I done had Freeze on the podcast, it's been dope having other people on here, but you know, it's nice, it's nice for us to have a little time, just us back together again, you know, without all the outside distractions, you know, so we can get back to just really improving our relationship with one another, <laughs> but nah, for real, uh, y'all already know, it's dope to do the podcast again, um, check out the, the description of the show as always, um, Tap into all the social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram. That's where I'd be most active on or whatever. Make sure you share all that shit with other people. Make sure you tell people to check the podcast out, man. They say this, uh, the, 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 sorry, the, the most effective way, you know what I'm saying, to grow your podcast audience is uh, by word of mouth. So y'all, y'all get y'all, y'all mouths worded. You feel me? Uh, <laughs> What else, man? Uh, I added some new shit, man. I've been I want I want y'all feedback, man. I want y'all to be a part of the show. You know what I'm saying? It's always a poll on every episode. Episode if you listening on Spotify, it's always a question where you can put some feedback on there. You can always hit me up on social media platforms, and on some new shit, you can leave a voicemail to the show, and I'll play a voicemail, answer it back. You could ask questions. You could comment on something that was on here. Um, that number will be in the show description every single episode. So make sure y'all tap in and do that, man. I, I want to hear y'all. Don't be, don't be weirded out when you hate your voice recorded. Cause that's, that's everybody. You feel me? Um, but, uh, I suppose, uh, we're not going to waste too much time. You know what I'm saying without further ado, guess we'll, we'll jump back into it. Uh, Got a little, got a little something for you. Nigga, story time. Real nigga story time. I never get tired of that shit, my nigga. Appreciate your keys. Uh, so, uh, what we got going on right now, man? Uh, I've been, I've been, I've been on my grown up shit. This year, I've been on some getting my insurances together, making sure, you, you know, we was talking about this earlier. I was talking about how me and my kids basically just got health insurance on some, you know, irresponsible dad shit. But we in there, you know what I'm saying? Everybody good. We insured up, whatever. So I take my kids today uh, appointments a couple of weeks ago and then I have mine. I had missed the first one because I had to do the blood work and no cap. I'm kind of a scary ass nigga when it comes to that. I don't fuck with needles. I wasn't trying to get my blood drawn. So 
when I woke up a little late that day, I was like, oh, it's cool. I'll just skip that motherfucking appointment and we'll run it back another day. Um, so I finally end up going. I'm in there filling out my paperwork on some simple shit. Um, and they start doing my regular shit. You know what I'm saying? My vitals, looking in my ears, looking in my nose, looking in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? All that or whatever. They're like, oh, everything looks good. You know, they're doing my blood pressure. They're like, oh, your blood pressure is perfect. I, you, we know you have two kids because me and my kids had the same uh, doctor or whatever. They're like, uh, we know that uh, you have kids. You know, how do you do it? You know, making jokes like, you know, how do you keep your stress down with two kids? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, nigga, I'm healthy as shit. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, they do a nigga, uh, you know, she listened to a nigga heart, listened to a nigga lungs. She like, okay, yeah, your lungs, your heart sound great. I'm like, oh, my lungs sound great. I was, I'm not going to lie. I had a, a mild concern about how the lungs was going to sound because, you know, I be making my lungs do their job. My lungs got some work to do throughout the day. So, you know, I was just, you know, fingers crossed, make sure them things are still, make sure my lungs are still lunging. You feel me? So she's like, oh, lungs and heart sound great. You know, whatever, whatever. Kind of talks to me about like the regular shit. You know, like, how do you be feeling about this? You have any concerns, whatever, whatever. I'm like, you know, besides the fact that my back is basically broken, uh, I, I think I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? Everything's been pretty much cool. Uh, so... Then comes the blood work. So I go get the blood work done. Oh, we re-enter to the studio. Okay, okay. All right. Back to where we was at. So we finished all of that or whatever. It's Now it's time to go into the blood work. So I go in there to get the blood work done. First of all, I'm nervous as fuck. Like, I don't like needles. I don't like getting shots, whatever, whatever. And... The blood work, you know, they be they put the needle in you and then they be like, tew, 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 like taking shit. I don't like it. I just, it's just weird, bro. So she does my blood work. And obviously, y'all, this is the thing I feel like anybody who's afraid of needles has to admit. It never hurts. It never hurts. It's never as big a deal as we thought it was going to be. It's always whatever, whatever. But let me tell you this. I'm 33 years old on Monday. I was afraid of needles when I was a kid. I was afraid to get the blood work this time. I know it's not going to hurt. I know it's going to be over fast as fuck. I'm scared every time. I don't give a fuck what y'all got to say. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care. I'm afraid of needles. It is what it is. It's a phobia. A phobia is an irrational fear. I know you can't ration away my irrational fear. And I'm not about to like pay for therapy. I still get the shots and shit. I just be nervous. I'd be fine. Anyway. So... I get the blood work done or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm out. I leave. They're like, you know, we'll do, we'll give you your results and we'll hit you back. I pay my little, my little copay and I'm out. Well, I'm kind of hype right now. Cause you know, everything that went so well, they like, oh, you, you're looking good. You're feeling good. You know, all it is good shit. Right. And, then maybe a day or two before that, I had just kind of started doing this whole shit or whatever, where I had started doing this intermittent fasting. So I've been eating for six hours a day and I go 18 hours a day where I don't eat. Um, what really got me hype onto it was like looking into it more and they were talking about a lot of the health benefits of it. And it is good for weight loss. You know what I'm saying? And I do got a little stomach I want to get off. You know what I'm saying? But 
that's not really the the primary thing that drew me to it because I don't really believe in diets, it's things that you're gonna got turn on and turn off. So I was interested in something that I could kind of make my lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like I could kind of just do this. You know what I'm saying? On a daily basis to kind of hopefully, you know what I'm saying? Make myself a little bit healthier or whatever. So I'm already been doing, I've been on my intermittent fast and I've been doing good with it. I've been drinking water. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I get the blood work. I'm really not thinking shit about it. I'm like, I'm going to get my shits back. Everything going to be Gucci. So I, I get the results back over the next like three or four days. And uh, when I start getting them, I'm getting them like in, in, uh, in waves like it's like this is like uh this is your test for like blood sugars and this kind of shit this is your test for all these other things or whatever so i'm getting the first things back everything in the green i'm like oh yeah nigga over here with these perfect scores again on the blood work bow bow green 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 i'm like oh yeah then i get the second joint back green 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 i'm like okay boom then i get the third joint back now this is my blood sugar now on this one the scale is like you can have your blood sugar can be too low or it can be. I don't remember what the too low was because I, I feel like that's not for niggas. I think there's the I think the Caucasian scale of the blood sugar is like white people diabetes on the left. Right. Where you don't have enough blood sugar. And then there's Negro diabetes on the right. I don't think that's how the medical community terms it. But I do think that that's essentially what's going on here. Um, so what I was concerned with, with this Negro diabetes side on the right with too much sugar. It's like, I think the number was 5.4. Don't get me wrong. Don't if it, don't quote me on this. I'm remembering. But if 5.4 was the last thing that would have you in the green before you hit the yellow, before you hit pre-diabetes, my shit was right there. Like, if I would have ate one cookie before I got my blood work done that day, they'd have been like, hey, my nigga, you pre-diabetic. So I'm like, ooh, I got to chill on the sugars. I don't love sugar, but I know like white bread, certain like simple carbohydrates break down in your body quick and like give you a sugar, but like those things can kind of give you a, they can make, cause essentially that kind of diabetes is like your body becomes insulin resistant because you keep activating all that shit so much that essentially like your body starts to become numb to it. Right. I think that's don't, I am not a doctor. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so I'm right on the edge of that. So I'm like, okay, I need to be careful with that. But I'm like, I'm still good, though. I'm in the green. I'm not even in the yellow. I'm I'm barely in the green, but I am in the green. So I'm Gucci. Boy, y'all, when I got that last thing back, nigga, the, the cholesterol one, the Negro, the Negro trifecta of death, the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, man, what's going on? Y'all, why I got high cholesterol? And not like I was barely in the high cholesterol. Like I was well in the high cholesterol, my nigga. Like I wasn't like way on the end of the chart. You know what I'm saying? But like imagine the chart is broken into thirds. Well, I actually think that the cholesterol chart, yeah, is broken into thirds. And like two thirds of it is like, this is cool. Anywhere in this range is straight. And then like one third of it is like, you don't need to be here. I was like halfway in through the one third. I'm like, my nigga, I'm 33. I'm 33, bro. I can't be out here with the high cholesterols and shit like that. And then I start doing more research. Once I get done, I'm like, okay, what, what I got to cut out, what I got to chill on. Obviously like the fried foods and shit like that. But it's like the red meat, 
shrimps. Did y'all know that scrimps is high in cholesterol, bro? I've been thinking, I've been working at a seafood location where we can eat seafood. So when I'm trying to eat healthy, I'll be like, oh, let me get some grilled shrimp and some, you know what I'm saying? Let me get some little grilled shrimp and broccoli and rice or something. And I'm like, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be filling. It's going to be straight. You know what I'm saying? I'll be good. I've been over here pumping up the cholesterol, nigga. I've been over here giving the cholesterol secret weapons of success against a nigga heart. And I didn't even know that scrimps was bad for your cholesterol. Because see, they don't tell you this because they got a master plan to give us all high cholesterol so we could die. But no, nah, I don't know if that is that deep. But for real, I didn't. So now I'm over here trying to learn new shit. I'm all concerned with the high cholesterol and shit like that. Feeling old. Every birthday I've had. Even before I got 30, when I was getting close to 30, motherfuckers be like, oh, you don't feel old. You don't feel old. I don't feel old. That's what I always tell them. Like, no, I really don't feel old. Like my mind, my my body. I'm I don't know if I'm only speaking for myself, but I feel like once you over a certain height, like anybody over six, one, six, two, I feel like they'll tell you our body's been hurting since we was in high school. So like the my back hurts, my knee hurts shit, that don't feel old to me. That's familiar. I've always been, always been broken. You feel what I'm saying? Um, but nigga, this high cholesterol, that's something for old people. I do feel like an old nigga now. I'm like, bro, is so, you know. I'm just taking care of myself. I, I'm, I'm prioritizing my health in a different way. I already started talking about how I was doing the um the uh what y'all call it um I'm trying to think y'all though the intermittent fasting or whatever and the cholesterol is one of the things that that's supposed to be good for it's supposed to help lower your cholesterol and your blood sugar and all that because i guess it's something about letting your body process through everything that's been in it throughout the day before you start dumping more shit on top that just kind of helps it, it made sense to me it was simple so you know that's what's been going on with your boy but yeah so Apparently, y'all, I mean, happy birthday to me. I'm an old ass nigga, bro. My birthday's coming up. Hey, you know, just to, why are we talking about a nigga birthday? You know what I'm saying? Birthday present for your boy. You subscribe for the $5. You get something for it. You get episodes early. You get the video episodes and all of that good shit. When I drop extra shit, you get the extra shit. You feel what I'm saying? And I love that. That's a fire birthday present. There's also an Amazon wish list uh, link in the show description every episode so if you want to hop on the wish list and see what a nigga been wishing for and grab a nigga something go on go on fuck with your boy you know what i'm saying happy birthday to me but until then we're gonna uh pop on this good old ad for a second and um then uh i guess we'll do the show Okay, so I feel like probably the biggest stories is right now, and there's a few, you know what I'm saying, that are kind of going on, but one of the biggest stories right now is this whole Penn and Trump indictment thing. Uh, I have not really talked much about Donald Trump since he lost the presidency because 
I'm one of the people who believes that we pay too much attention to Donald Trump. Like there's too much attention put on what Donald Trump does and all of that or whatever. So it, it kind of sensationalizes all of politics and all of American culture in a way where it's like, oh, everybody's like this. It makes you feel like all of the people who it makes you think that the population of people who believe that bullshit are bigger than they are, in my opinion. Like the real diehard MAGAs, I don't think it's as many of them as we feel like they are. So paying attention to Trump when he's not relevant to me is, is unnecessary because he's not fucking relevant. But in moments like this, the relevance kind of creeps up a little bit. First of all, obviously, 2024, Trump is going to run. Even if he gets indicted, and I think that's something that everyone is not really paying enough attention to, him being indicted and not actually being convicted does not excuse him from running. He can still run for president. Um, what makes that even more problematic is the fact that... Um, what makes that even more problematic is the fact that even if he gets indicted, right, he gets charged. Think about the way if you've ever even known anyone who had an issue with with the with the law or had to deal with the legal system in any way. The first thing a lawyer is going to do is get your court date pushed back. Like they're going to tell you off rip. We don't want you going to court for this while it's fresh. Push it back, push it back, push it back, push it back. Making some old shit on the docket. You know what I'm saying? Like, you always going to get a better trial if it's old versus if it's some fresh shit where they still kind of thinking about what happened, right? And also, like, from your client's sake, you trying to stay out of jail for as long as possible, especially if you really going to have to do some time. If you got to do some time, nigga, you trying to stay home for the next, if you can stay home for another year and a half before you got to go do 12, you going to do that. So even if Trump gets indicted, He's not going to get charged before a whole ass campaign could go through. So in my opinion, him potentially being indicted starts to be a bigger deal around this time because how America chooses to react to someone running for president currently being under criminal indictment. I think that's going to say something. Um, I'm not real big on the formalities and the, and the, and the, because I, I, I think that's one of the things where the Democrats get fucked off sometimes where I think they're too formal they believe like the rules should take precedence we should want to look a certain way the the way like like the perception of America is really important and the perception of how politicians interact with each other should be important I feel like the Democrats really believe that and the Republicans don't and I think that it benefits the Republicans in a lot of ways because they can get away with shit because they never really claim to be about shit. But uh, in regards to this, I feel like for America to decide that you are not out of bounds, like you're not disqualified from the highest office in our land because you may potentially be a criminal. I do think that says something about us on a worldwide stage that where I kind of don't like the optics of that. I'm not going to lie. I feel as though that could be more detrimental to like America does a lot of things on moral high ground. And I'm not saying I agree with all the things that they do based on that. But when you, when you move like that, you kind of have to back that up in a way when you make decisions 
on a worldwide stage based on what's right, quote unquote, you got to kind of give a fuck about your own laws, at least enough that you wouldn't elect a nigga president who may be breaking the laws. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't believe in the death penalty. I don't really believe in life sentences like that. I don't believe in imprisoning people forever instead of trying to find a way to put them back into society. I almost think someone should have to prove to you that they cannot be reacclimated before you make that call because they just do you more good another way. But that is 100% a whole nother call. But I definitely don't think that a motherfucker who's currently being charged with some shit should be the nigga in charge. Like you got to get that sorted out before you can start running shit. Absolutely. There's, there's big stretches in between. I would vote for someone who had pending criminal charges. And I think all criminals are bad people. You see what I'm saying? So I just think that that's a big deal, but what's a bigger deal is, and I was talking about earlier, how Trump doesn't have the numbers that I, a lot of people believe he has, in my opinion, but he does have the influence on those people who do support him. Like they will ride for him. And we saw that on January 6th. We saw on January 6th that based on the fact that Trump was mad about something that didn't go his way. That if he made up a story about it, the people who rode for him the hardest would show up and they would break federal laws, kill police officers, break into the Capitol, shit on the walls, steal shit, fuck shit up. With the intention of harming more people. All in the name of an election that wasn't really stolen. That there was no proof that the election was stolen. It's important to remember that it didn't even seem stolen. He just lost. He just lost. They said this. If you knew anything about the way that the tabulations were, they said from the jump. It's going to change you. You're not going to be able to call it the first night because so many of these states are not allowed to start counting mail-in ballots until the election has been closed. So you have to wait on them to start counting these, these votes, but they can't start until the time is over. So the people who voted by foot, all their stuff is going to come in first. And this was still pandemic time. And Trump was telling all his people, fuck that pandemic. And the Democrats was telling all of their voters, if you can vote any way other than in person, do it that way. So all the Democratic votes were going to come in last. Even if Biden lost, you, you would have still saw a surge for Biden at the end. And everyone who knew better knew that that was the truth. It is super important to note that because Fox News hosts, since all this have, have, have uh, since all this has happened, have They've uncovered their little group chats and messages talking about how they always knew that the election was not stolen. Major advisors in Trump's uh, administration have come forward saying they knew the election wasn't stolen. He knew the election wasn't stolen. So over a lot that he propagated, these people did the most. They tried to take over the government. But I don't think that part of it is even stated heavily enough. These people were trying to take over the government. They weren't trying to go in there and have a friendly conversation with all the senators. They knew that all the senators, all the House members were in that location and they were attacking it. So that's why we're talking about Trump again now, because now that Trump is under investigation, 
the shit that he's saying is starting to escalate. All right, so here's the art. Trump warns of potential death and destruction if he's indicted. Former President Trump argued early Friday morning that filing charges against him could result in potential death and destruction as he railed against the possibility of an indictment by Manhattan by the Manhattan District Attorney. The tweet, what or the the truth, because he he's on true social, he can't even tweet. Uh, what kind of person can charge another person? In this case, a former president of the United States who got more votes than any sitting president in history and leading and the leading candidate by far for the Republic, uh, Republican Party nomination with a crime when it is known by all that no crime has been committed and also that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country. That's what Trump wrote on True Social at 1 a.m. First of all, the fact that this old man is still staying up till one o'clock in the morning, he can't tweet no more, but truth, but, but posting on True Social, bro, like it's nothing more dangerous than an old fuck on the internet, bro. I'm believing that, bro. I'm starting a campaign, nigga. Take the internet away from old people, bro. When you get your test to get your driver's license, you should have to get retested at a certain age to get your driver's license. And when you get that test, you should also get your social media privileges taken away. If you fail it and you can't drive no more, you can't tweet no more because you're going to say some wild shit that your grandkids going to have to explain. So just leave that shit alone, bro. Anyway. The biggest thing with this tweet is Trump is doing that thing that him and a lot of other Republicans do all too often and it's the pretend as though they're not the one saying the thing so that they can get the thing said still so what i mean by that is like or or, or I, I i said that wrong what they do is they make a statement like if this happens then we know this will happen so that Trump could then say, I didn't tell people to go violently protest if I got indicted. I just knew that that's what was going to happen if you did that. So it's like you kind of you hedging your best there if you Trump. I didn't really tell him to do it, but I'm definitely putting the idea out there. I'm absolutely because what you what you didn't see, same shit like on January 6th, what you never see from Trump is a statement of. You know, if I if I get indicted, I don't want to see my supporters breaking any laws because at the end of the day, our country is founded on laws and letting the due process play out and all this other shit like that. When a nigga get killed by the police, it ain't nothing to let the process play out. When a black man get murdered by law enforcement, all the causes in arms to let the process play out. And we got to before we make decisions, we got to let this whole thing play out. We got to let the criminal justice system do its thing. We got to let due process play. That's what we get every time something like that happens. Anytime something happens to one of us, it's, 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 it's the immediate call to let it all play out. But now that it's against Trump, all of a sudden the justice system's got all these holes in it. Now all of a sudden, oh, you can't trust them. They'll do things that are politically motivated. You can't trust them. They'll do this, that, and the third or whatever. We've been preaching that you can't trust this system forever, and we've been tripping. But the first time it happens to Trump, 
now all of a sudden a whole system's in question and maybe it's not this and we should protest the indictment just him getting charged but that's deep due process though that's the way due process works you get charged with a crime and then you go to court and then you decide whether or not you're guilty or innocent y'all don't have a problem with due process right there's nothing wrong with that that's the way it's supposed to go that is justice but that's the thing it's only like that when it fits a narrative that motherfuckers already ascribed to so you know that's just that's my whole piece on that um the <laughs> he also wrote why and who would do such a thing only a degenerate psychopath that truly hates the usa the post marked an escalation in trump's barrage of attacks against manhattan district attorney alvin bragg as the grand jury is weighing whether to indict trump over hush money payments made to a porn star to keep quiet the alleged affair during the 2016 campaign it is also likely further to fuel concerns that Trump is stoking violence ahead of the potential charges. He is a uh, potential outlet, uh, multiple outlets reported in recent weeks that an indictment against Trump could be imminent in the Manhattan investigation. Trump last Saturday predicted on true social, he will be arrested the following Tuesday. That didn't happen because he just was making shit up because Trump gets his news from the internet, like an old nigga with the internet. Like don't even get me started. Um, and blah, 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 blah. To speak on the charges real quickly, I actually don't necessarily know how much I agree with this, uh, with them pursuing Trump on these charges out of New York. Number one, they are old. Um, this is from 2016, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like it was one of those things that was on pause while he was president because there's not really a consensus on whether you can even charge a sitting president. So the fact that all this is coming up now and it happened back then, I don't actually think that's so much a function of them going back to find something on Trump. Optically, that is what it looks like. But I, I think that's more of a they just now have the opportunity to really dive into it. Um, But I I'll say this. I don't know enough about how solid the case is to know whether or not it's really a good use of resources because you know that Trump is going to come with, you know what I'm saying? Not necessarily equal stats, uh, power lawyers, but he's not going to come with, this isn't like charging some nigga off the street. It's going to be a lot more difficult than that. Um, and to prove that he used campaign funds, cause that's what the charges that he used the campaign funds uh, essentially for the hush money. And you can't use campaign funds for anything except for campaigning. Um, I just don't know how if if I don't know if they can prove that he did that. If they can, at the end of the day, it's the job of the district attorney, a district attorney, to press charges against people who break the law. So you can't be mad at them for doing a job selectively. You know what I'm saying? Like if a motherfucker did it, then they did it, and you're supposed to press the charges. So that's where I'm at with that. I don't believe that uh, district attorneys or any other. Uh, officials within the legal system should make their decisions based on the optics or like the political blowback because that's not their job um do i think that charging trump with this and losing will look bad or make him quote unquote like give him more strength and more power and and, and wild up his base and support more i think that's a possibility but um i don't think that the district attorney should make the call based on that i think that that would be politically motivated which is what they're accusing him of doing now i think that if he thinks trump did it he's supposed to bring the charges and that's his job 
Um, I don't think these charges necessarily stick. The charges that I think have a much better chance of sticking are actually the charges out of uh, Georgia because those are the election tampering shits. And he did that. Like Trump definitely called the nigga who's supposed to certify elections and was like, lie and say I won. He did that. There's not really a, maybe he didn't. I haven't heard any good argument that even potentially says that Trump didn't do that in some way, shape or form. Trump definitely tried to change the results of the election in Georgia unsuccessfully. And that's absolutely a crime. So, you know, let's come on. Come on, Fanny. You out here, you got YSL and you got the the young shoot 'em up gang or whatever the fuck they was. You got you getting everybody else. Now him this nigga Trump on up. You can't just be out here, you know what I'm saying? Cause I might have to start calling you a little, you know what I'm saying? I might have to start looking at you and wondering if you're gonna get cause I got a new award coming to the podcast. We're gonna start giving out the uh the Coon Awards. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna start <laughs> <laughs> we gonna start giving giving out awards, you know what I'm saying, to to the uh, uh, to to the to, to to the coons who have who have made a a special contribution to society. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we gotta see if niggas is really uh, coon candidates, if you will, because it'd be some people who you be wondering, like coon court. That's what it was. I was trying to remember on the fly what I was gonna call it. Coon court. We might have to put her in coon court. It's coming soon whenever motherfuckers do some shit that's questionable and we got to kind of think about it we're gonna put their ass in coon court so uh district attorney uh i think her name is uh is is, is fanny hillis or willis or something like that might be willis i gotta look it up no you charging up all these niggas if we don't see you charging trump or somebody else you know what I'm saying? So maybe some blue collar crime or some white collar crimes or something like that. I know you better hem up some famous Caucasians because if not, you're going to be in coon court. We're going to have to, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see where you're standing with the community because, you know, it's right now, it's suspect. Um. Anyway. Another thing I want to talk about, y'all, like major story. Fucking this shit out of Uganda. So I'll be honest, like a typical American, I really don't know a lot about um, other cultures in the sense of like what they uh, like other countries, other nations, like how they're policed, how their policies really work and all those things. And I know like loosely something, whatever, but just on a on a real uh true level of understanding to be able to say that I'm well versed in it. I'm not at all. Um, so I think I was, uh, overly surprised at the way that this is going to play out or that this thing is playing out in Uganda. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stumbling on my words. Cause I'm trying to get this video queued up for y'all. Um, I didn't know that this was already a thing in Uganda. Like it was already a crime. Like homosexual acts were already a crime in Uganda. Um, Apparently, that's like a big thing in African culture. Apparently, the president of Uganda and Barack Obama had beef with uh, the LGBTQ, the way that they treat gay people in Uganda. Um, so this isn't new. This bill that finally came out and banned homosexuality, that, on the other hand, is new. So that's what I'm a, that's what we're going to check out now. Check it. 
Uganda's parliament has passed a bill which would criminalise people who identify as LGBTQ, those found guilty facing up to 10 years in prison. Under the proposed legislation, friends, family and members of the community would have a duty to report individuals in same-sex relationships to the authorities. Homosexual acts are already illegal in the East African country, but the bill seeks to go further and criminalise people on the basis of their sexual identity. The bill passed with widespread support in Uganda's parliament. In our country, we will have our morals, we will protect our children, and we are making this law, we are making this law for ourselves, we are making this law for our children, we are making this law for the children of our children. This country will stand firm. And once it passed, I can tell you, Madam Speaker, we are going to reinforce the law enforcement officers to make sure that homosexuals have no space in Uganda. Yeah. So I I really genuinely did not know that that's the way it was going down in Uganda. I didn't know that we was on some whole ass, like, I, I, I just didn't know. I'm not even going to lie. This was complete news to me, and I was blown away by it, to be honest, that there's going to be a whole nation that uh, I can't even imagine that. But it's crazy because that, to me, is a stark reality that I feel like as Americans, we feel like the things that happen in other countries could never. You know what I'm saying? They're like, in America, we would never. We see Uganda. We see Uganda. Sorry. We see a nation like Uganda completely criminalize being gay, criminalize LGBTQ, period. Like if you identify as this, this is illegal. And we think that could never happen in America. We think that will only happen in Africa because 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 we bougie as hell. And we look at countries like Africa, countries in Africa. I'm sorry. Africa is a fucking continent. We look at countries in Africa like third world nations that have issues that go on with their governments and things that they put their citizens through that we would never do in America. But just pay attention. Watch how frequently we talk about on this podcast bills against LGBTQ communities, bills against DEI, which is basically just our version of a national gen. Like when they have these issues of like genocide and things like that in their countries, like, yeah, that's kind of worse than what we do here. But to attack a group of people based on what they look like or what their cultural heritage is, is not just beyond the pale of American policy. It's not like we just never did nothing like that before. So when we see a country do stuff like that. It should be a warning to us that these politicians who are out here pushing this agenda this anti literally got politicians out here saying they want to eradicate the transgender community and shit like that. This is what that turns into. This is how that, because that's how it happened. And you got, it got, it's as you see, it was, it used to be illegal for the act. It was only the act that was illegal. Now just to identify as is illegal because things like that happen in a progression people who are willing to remain engaged into the power structure long enough to really enact the change they want. And that's why it's important that we don't give up on anything that we want politically because we don't get it the first time around. 
we got to quit having these ebbs and flows as voters where we go in and we super, super support and then we don't get something that we wanted. And then we like, well, see, this is why we don't fuck with these motherfuckers, because the people who want to really take your liberties away, they not going to quit. They not going to stop. They going to vote every time when they don't get what they want. It's just like the 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 most recent thing here is Roe v. Wade. It's the abortion thing. They've been trying to get abortion peeled back for 30 years. And the fact that laws were going, there was a time where the laws were getting more and more and more liberal and every one of them voting cycles, then people continued to show up. They did not stop. They did not disengage from the process. They were like, no, this is what we want done. And they kept peeling away at little small layers and spaces of it until they found a way to make it happen. And they'll do this shit with everything that you think is a right in this country. So that's why I be on the voting shit so heavy. That's why I be on the participating shit so heavy because whether we or not we participate, there are participants and the participants decide the outcome in this country. So that shit is mad important. Going back to the Uganda thing, that shit is crazy. And on a lighter note, it did make me wonder, like, what do gay people refer to like like the Uncle Toms of the gay community. You feel what I'm saying? Like in a in a nation where being gay is criminal, it's gotta be like if you are gay and you don't tell people you gay, it's gotta be people who like, you know, we understand you don't wanna do that time, you don't wanna get persecuted, harmed, murdered, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's always the hardcore people in every group. You know with some people who out here like, hey, if you ain't out here claiming. You know what I'm saying? They like, oh, so you going out here and straighten up for the establishment. You going, I don't know what they say. I don't know what the gay slander is. Like, do y'all, is it, is it, is it all understood and copacetic within the community? It can't be. There's no way that every single person in the community is just like, no, we respect each other's boundaries. That's not the way communities work. Like, that's not, that's not realistic. There's no fucking way. If y'all are trying to tell me that that's what it is, I'm calling bullshit. I'm not even going to lie. I'm calling bullshit. There's no way. There's no way it's not haters. There's no way it's not motherfuckers who want to dictate how everybody else do it. And it's got to be extreme because I'm going to be real with y'all. If it was me, I don't know. I might switch up. One day, I might be in the little gay clubs, you know what I'm saying? Get my thing. And they start talking about them years, nigga. They talking about 10 years for identifying as homosexual. They talking about if you say you gay, you got to do 10 years, bro. I'm not saying... That I would just, you know, I don't know what I would do, but I'm saying I know an option, bro, because I'm a. they might have had to call me a sellout, bro, because I get pulled over. You know what I'm saying? And I got my you know, what I'm saying I'm in here with my with my with my boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like it's me and him. We ride home. Laws pull us over. They like how y'all know each other. You gonna do 10 years to declare your relationship to the police? Would you really? Because I'm gonna keep it a bill. Some of y'all might do 10 years to declare your love, but if it's me, I'm not gay no more. I am delivered. I don't like men no more. I said I like women. Women, women, women. I said women. I'm not gay. I would not date a man. I would not carry a purse. I would not put on makeup. 
I will, I will love a woman. <laughs> Y'all, <Yeah>, um, <laughs> obviously I'm just playing. Like, I, I, I do think that just the idea that you would have to even make a decision like that for real, for real, like that you wouldn't be able to just identify as who you are in a situation and face criminal persecution for that. I think that is disgusting, but also, man, you know, black people, we going sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying. We're going to find a joke. I'm going to, I know if it's me, I'm going to find a joke. If you, if you can't, if that's too much for you, you know what I'm saying? You can't, if you can't accept my jokes, then you can't accept my support because I'm out here supporting the community. I gave a whole long rant. It's going to be two videos on TikTok. Y'all motherfuckers better watch both. Don't you just watch the one with the I'm not gay no more video and be like, oh, this nigga think everything a joke. You better watch the one before where I was over here warning people about how this could happen in their country, how this is a horrible offense against all people in the world. Y'all quit picking and choosing which parts of a nigga you want represented here. I'm, I'm all of that. I'm all of that. I'm going to make the I'm not gay no more joke when I'm talking about Uganda. And I'm going to talk about how this is literally a human rights atrocity and how we could easily have this happen in America if we don't pay attention. Both them things is Dre. If you don't like it, then you really don't like the Fuck the Shit podcast. I'm sorry for you. All right, y'all, on to the next segment. I'm calling this segment Guns, Guns, Guns. And I'm calling this segment that because America loves guns. So we're going to call it Guns, Guns, Guns whenever we talk about guns. You know, like boats, 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 but guns, 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 because America loves guns. Y'all may remember uh, a little while back, a teacher got shot by her six-year-old student. And I did a few stories about kids who had either taken guns to school or been caught on ring cameras with guns or whatever, because we kept seeing all these instances of children getting a hold of their parents' firearms and committing some kind of violence with them. You know what I'm saying? Or or, or not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. It wasn't always violence. What we what we did see was a bunch of children getting their parents firearms and either getting caught with them or taking them to school. Or there was the superintendent who left his gun in the bathroom and a student found it. Um, there was a few kids who took guns to school, a few kids who got caught like on ring cameras with guns. You know what I'm saying like random incidents that kept happening where it was like these kids with these guns that were in most cases legally owned by their parents. Um, all of that kind of leading up to or it, it, around the same time as the six-year-old who actually did shoot his teacher, right? When all that shit was going on, I was talking about how one of my main things was is that I feel like we don't treat guns like they dangerous in America. We not respond as, as a result. We don't like promote responsible gun ownership enough was kind of my point um, that in the fear of appearing to side with anyone who would want any enhanced regulations on guns and in the fear of losing guns i feel like the gun community does not do a good enough job really emphasizing what responsible gun ownership is and how important it is to be a responsible gun owner 
in my opinion, the message is everyone has the right to be a gun owner, not gun owners should be this heightened level of responsible because you carry a deadly weapon with you everywhere you fucking go, which, you know, I thought was common sense, but whatever. One of the things that I had said about that too was I thought that the parents who are like actually training their kids with weapons, I felt like that's just cringy because even though I understand the mentality of, oh, I want my kid to be prepared, blah, 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 blah. Especially when you're talking about like the handguns and shit. I'm not talking about taking your son hunting and stuff like that. I don't see nothing wrong with that. When you're talking about like the weird tactical handgun training and shit that they be doing with their kids, that shit's weird to me. And I said this because children do not have the temperament to have firearms or to understand handguns and firearms on that level. Because I, I literally use this example a, a eight-year-old will get mad enough to want to kill you because they don't really understand what that is and what that means because their mind literally can't grasp it. So to arm them with the ability to do so is irresponsible in my opinion. And that's just how I felt about it. So now as more details of this six, six-year-old who shot their teacher come out, it really goes to prove my point a little bit. So I definitely want you guys to check this out. We're going to play a few little clips for what really went down that day. Because I don't know if like me. Y'all really knew everything that happened. So check this out. I'll be honest. Who would who would, who would would be prepared for a six year old. To bring a, a loaded weapon onto school. Or a weapon onto school. And shoot their teacher. So this handgun was brought from home. Illegally owned by the family. By a six year old. Police said this was not an accident. This was a confrontation. In other words a six year old had a beef the first grade teacher and pulled a gun on her. But the police went into detail talking about how this amazing teacher was shot through her hand and into her upper body. But her first instinct was to get the other kids out of the classroom between 16 and 20 of them. First graders got them, got them out of the classroom to safety and then thought about herself after that extraordinary, stunning details. Just what, what next? I'll be honest. Hey, Hey, listen, And what's wild about that clip that I just played you, those are Fox News pundits. Like, these are the same motherfuckers who push all this pro-gun bullshit, all of this extra shit, but then it's like, oh my gosh, we just can't believe something like this would happen. Blah, 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 blah. Like, bruh, like, this is on y'all. Y'all promote gun culture. Y'all do all this other shit or whatever, nigga. Y'all need to be pushing to these motherfuckers who have guns that your kids don't need to have access to them. Where the fuck was your gun that your kid could just pull up on it? What? That's wild. It's no, to, to me, and that's what I talk about. That's what I mean when I talk about things that I think should be legislated, like should be law. If your child gets a hold of your gun and takes your gun somewhere and gets caught with your gun, you shouldn't be able to have guns because guns are too dangerous for a motherfucker too stupid to keep it away from their fucking kid. Period. For your kid come to school mad at my kid and shoot my kid, your kid fuck around and blow their fucking head off on accident. All these fucking times, all these stories we've heard of kids accidentally shooting a friend. Bruh, since I was a kid, I remember a story on Maury where it was a little boy on Maury who had accidentally shot his friend who he was playing with. I've been hearing about accidents like that for 
ever. If that happens to you, there should be no debate or dialogue between if your elementary school child can get a hold of your gun, you're not responsible enough to have guns. Sorry. And it's like, to me, if you want to be like, oh, well, what if blah, blah, ain't no what if. Ain't no fucking what if. You know you got kids. You know you got guns. Your kids should never be able to get a hold of your guns, period. If they can, you will fuck up who don't deserve one. And that's all. That's I'm, I'm, I'm standing on that forever. I'm never coming off that. Um, let's listen to some of her interview a little bit. Hear her talk about it. Shout out to the Shade Room. Find this video. That's literally just one of them situations a teacher should never be in. We should never be having a conversation about how the teacher who just got shot by one of her students is trying to figure out how she ensures that her other students are still safe while she cares for herself. Like, that's not in the manual. That's not in the training. They don't tell you when you sign up to be a teacher, like, oh, by the way, one of the elementary kids might 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 run up in there and just pop a cap in your ass. You know what I'm saying? On a, make sure you don't disrespect little homie because he might pull up and blah, 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 hit your ass with that blick, nigga. That's not supposed to be a thing. That's not supposed to happen. We're not supposed to be having no conversations like that. But here we are because we love guns out here. Love guns, guns, guns. America loves guns. Shit, while we on topic of that, man, uh, Sometimes one of the things that's so crazy to me about the gun culture is like how far motherfuckers go. Like, I feel like people don't realize how deep this shit really gets when it comes to like what motherfuckers will do to be able to like get around some of these things. And this is this kind of goes towards the argument for people who are like, oh, you could regulate guns, but people will still find ways around. But I'm like, bruh. The effort that these motherfuckers is going through is like nothing I ever imagined. Amazon sellers disguise banned gun parts as bike handlebars. Anyone shopping for bike parts on Amazon recently may have come across what looked like a steal of a deal. A pair of black rubber handlebars for $26.99 with free prime delivery. The listing promised quick and easy installation. Just slide the bike handlebar grips onto your bike. But on second glance, a few customers spotted something amiss. One asked, I'm confused. Is this for a bike? This is uh, this is a picture of a pistol brace. <laughs> the thinly veiled answer from another shopper gave away the true nature of the item. An accessory designed to be attached to the back of an AR style pistol or other large handgun, enabling it to be shouldered and fired like a rifle, improving the shooter's aim and control over the weapon. This grip gives you uh, helps you ride your bike with more stability. Uh, 
added bonus makes a little more close up and personal if your shoulder uh if you shoulder this grip thus giving you even more driving accuracy yeah um this has been going on and i got a partner who's like big on guns who was actually talking about this and he has one of these he bought it before this law came into effect it was just legal for him to have now and apparently one of the changes like basically makes him have to pay an additional fee to be able to like have this gun and the fee is a lot it's not like a little bit it's it's like a big bullshit inconvenience and uh basically things like this kind of bring out a part where i'm like high super willing to engage with the gun community in a way that i feel like they don't realize that i am because part of what i believe when i say that the gun should be like regulated better like that falls into a part of that i absolutely don't believe that as a gun owner you should be charged hundreds of dollars to carry a license for something that's basically just for recreation because to me that's like a class thing now now you're pricing people out based on like what money they have and that's not to me that's not right if you either you can have it or you can't and if you can have it to be able to have it do i believe that maybe you should have to have like a little bit more licensing or like something else like if they're like if the the premise is this is more dangerous then in the same way that i believe licensing should be on vehicles like maybe there's something else you have to do to get it but it's not really a financial barrier. It's like an educational and safety barrier. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to get one of these, you got to go take a quick little course, make sure you know how to use it. And your background check is slightly more enhanced than somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Or you know what I'm saying? The, the laws with what happens, like maybe you make a law where this is a purely recreational piece. You know what I'm saying? Like this is something for, for play. Like this is something you take to the range. This is something that you do, but like this is it's like like a car that's not street legal. You see what I'm saying? That that's what I mean when I say willing to engage with people who know more about guns than me on what makes sense to be gun policy. Because I don't think that people should make policy on guns who don't know shit about guns. But I do kind of believe that the unwillingness to admit that there should be policy around guns takes so many gun owners out of the conversation that you get a lot of misguided policies. You don't get advocates for people who want to responsibly own their guns and use their guns. And I think that that is something that's really missing from the conversation in a major way that creates a lot of gaps um, as someone who wants guns to be safe. Why would I not want someone who knows a lot about guns to help me craft those policies you know what i'm saying um and that that for me is something i think is actually huge i think that we see a ton of people who want to make rules about guns don't have guns don't like guns don't know about guns and people who do have an affinity for guns don't want any rules made about guns so then the conversation becomes bullshit because of course there should be rules around guns right but of course, the people who are influencing the rules should have some idea of what's going on, but not in a like lobbyist way to ensure that no laws are made, because that's what we have now. We have lobbyists that ensure that laws don't get made against guns at all. And I'm not for that in any way. But people who are informed, who want to participate in the conversation, to me, that's the standard. That's what you want in any policy discussion. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. 
Maybe that's too middle of the ground for some of y'all, middle road for some people, but that's genuinely how I feel about it. Um, this is the last one. Last one on guns. <laughs> this shit crazy, y'all. I ain't even gonna lie. Minnesota husband stabbed his wife during Bible study, killing her, police say. <laughs> a woman was killed after her husband stabbed her repeatedly during a Bible study session at a relative's home in St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul police officers were called to the residence at approximately 9 p.m. on Tuesday for a reported stabbing. When officers arrived, multiple people were holding a man and a woman was suffering. I'm sorry. Most people were holding a man, and a woman was suffering from an apparent stab wound to her uh, from from apparent stab wounds (plural). Sorry to her upper body. The woman was taken to the hospital, where she was pronounced dead. Police later identified the victim as Karina Woodhull, the 41-year-old woman who lived in St. Paul. Police confirmed that Robert Castillo, 40, was arrested on suspicion of murder and was booked into jail. While he was being taken to jail, Castillo asked an officer, is she going to be okay? Castillo's sister holds a weekly Bible study at her home. They're charging that. So he's at his sister's house. Woodhull and Castillo sat together on the couch in the home during the weekly weekly session. And Castillo held his hand's wife. I'm sorry, sorry, held his hand's wife. Held his wife's hand, kissing her, according to the documents. He whispered something in his ear and the woman shook her head. No, before the man stabbed her multiple times, others at the gathering held Castillo down until the police arrived at the home. Another person who was present for the Bible study provided aid to Woodhull after she was stabbed and she said, don't let me die. Castillo told the officials the couple had been married for several years. The Ramsey County Medical Examiner's Office ruled her death a homicide. Nigga, duh. We didn't need the we didn't need the medical office to rule this a homicide. I think the five people who watched her get stabbed after he whispered her a sweet nothing at the Bible study could tell you this was homicide. She definitely didn't jump out and stab herself, bro. The fuck? Woodhull, she survived by five children, worked at the Jewel Fair Gangs Recovery Service, a treatment facility for substance use. She had so much light to give. Castillo had previous felony convictions for assault. He used a hammer to attack a woman he had a relationship with and stabbed a roommate. Officials said in charging documents, Castillo appeared. Okay, listen, I, I'm never going to blame somebody for dying, but talk about ignoring a red flag. So you mean the last woman he was with, he beat down with a hammer. Then he stabbed up the roommate. Oh, so y'all met on love at the lockdown, love at the lockup. That's what this sounds like to me. Y'all met on, on prison pen pals and he done told you that he done changed his life over and he done met God in church and now y'all overdoing this and you was over there looking too too good too much at the youth pastor. He whispered in your ear, I know what you're doing, bitch, and stabbed you the fuck up. Is that what happened? Oh my goodness. The, this is this is troubling. Um goodness gracious. Castillo had oh, Castillo appeared in court Thursday. His bail was set at five million dollars. Yeah, your bet. But listen, they gonna set your bail at five million dollars, Playboy. You you murdered her in front of the Bible study. You stabbed her up at Bible study, bro. I, I was just talking earlier on the podcast about how I'm not huge on 
prison. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a full scale like prison abolitionist or no shit like that or whatever, but definitely feeling like there's a lot of reform that could be used uh, in the system. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely believe that. Um, and we definitely over over imprison people. We over penalize people with that system, all that way. But this nigga right here, bro, if you're going to stab a bitch of Bible study, you got to go. It's over for you. It's a wrap. It's a wrap, bro. I don't think it's no bringing this man back. We already tried to bring you back after you hammered your your ex-girlfriend and then stabbed up your roommate, bro. Like, you clearly have these randomly random impulse rampages. We got to keep you in a cage forever, bro. You animal. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Maybe this is antithetical to some of the other things that I've said on this podcast. I don't care. I don't care. He got to go. He got to go. And I know you're wondering, why is this on guns, guns, guns? It's because I misread the headline. I thought he shot her. But he stabbed her, and I didn't really have anywhere else to put it. And ask yourself this. Would you rather me put this story under guns, 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 or would you rather have not gotten the story about the man who stabbed his wife up? I, I don't have a theme song for, for something that some Hispanics do. His name is Castillo. He can't go on to white people do this. He can't go on to we got to do better because he's not black. You know what I'm saying? I only have songs for two races, bro. Everybody else, I just got to fit they fucking shenanigans under some other shit so here you go um anyway In another segment we're calling it everything is racist because in america even if it's not everything is pretty much racist uh, texas naacp calls for all hands on deck to address anti-black legislation at the capitol the Texas NAACP is calling on the African-American community and their allies to assemble at its legislative lobby day on April 4th to help beat back several legislative bills that will harm, hinder, or set back much of the progress African-Americans have made in the past few decades. Those bills that passed will have the most devastating impact on young Texans of colors, millennials, and Gen Z Texans by diminishing and decreasing their educational, economic, political, and workforce opportunities, the Texas NAACP leader said. Make no mistake, these bills are anti-black and anti-Latino. Uh, we're talking about everything from the continuation of suppressing voting rights to eliminating programs in Texas colleges and universities that help recruit, retain, and support African-American students as well as other students of color. The intent of state leadership in pushing these bills is to establish a permanent underclass of citizen citizenship for black and brown people without regard to your talent or education. The Texas NAACP Lobby Day will be at the Texas uh, AFL-CIO building located at 1106 uh, La Vaca Street, uh, Suite 200 in Austin. An orientation will be held from 7.30 to 1 p.m. prior to going to the Capitol. That orientation will cover legislation and issues important to African Americans, including children of public schools, college students, working adults, veterans, and olding, older adults who are retired. Um, several bills have already been filed promoting anti-diversity, equity, and inclusion, which would hinder and eliminate initiatives that recruit and retain African-Americans and Latino professors and employees at Texas public colleges and universities. Those measures would also hurt the ability of public colleges and universities to recruit, retain, and support African-American and Latino students headed to college. Black students already are significantly underrepresented at Texas, Texas flagship universities such as University of Texas, Texas A&M, 
but other public universities, uh, but also at other many other public universities. Also, Hispanic and black and black faculty are already disproportionately underrepresented at major public universities in Texas. Current DEI policies were helping to level the playing field, according to the Texas NAACP. We talked about this last week with um, Florida and the bills that they are pushing attacking DEI. Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion has been a super hot button topic lately. And I think it's important that we really understand what these programs do and how they benefit everyone, right? Because I said some shit on the podcast last week that a lot of people, I feel like misconstrued intentionally, but basically I was saying that diversity uh, don't do anything for the mind. For, basically, my point was that diversity programs don't do anything for minorities. What they really do something for is for white people and for the establishments that were kind of averse to that diversity to begin with, right? And... I'm not backing down off that at all because I don't, I don't, I didn't all of a sudden start thinking it wasn't true. Um, what my point was is that for the establishment to be trying to eliminate diversity as though somehow this is a detriment to them, um, the narrative that's pushed by these politicians and these policymakers who want to get rid of DEI is basically that. We're giving unqualified people positions and access based on the color of their skin. And as a result, that's a detriment to the brand, essentially. That's bringing down the overall quality of the education because we're bringing in people based on something other than merit. That's the argument that's being pushed. When in reality, all these people who are brought in under these DEI programs increased the value of the establishment that they were brought to bringing in more black and Hispanic teachers makes these universities more appealing, not less appealing, bringing in more black, Hispanic, Asian American students from all these different cultures and all these different backgrounds makes the collegiate experience a more robust experience for everyone involved. So not only is it racist, that they want to take away all these programs. It's also bad for business. It's also bad for the establishment. And that was my primary point when I brought this up the first time. So it is racist and it will harm black and brown people and minority communities and make it more difficult for them to have access to these places that then give them access to other environments that allow them to improve their lives and be fulfilled and you know what I'm saying bring resources back to their communities and all these other things it absolutely is going to hurt black people and brown people and minorities to get rid of these DEI programs but it's not only going to hurt us it's going to hurt the the states the the colleges the facilities it's going to hurt all of those places that don't have the benefit of diversity in my opinion at least as much so, like, that's one of the craziest things to me about racism is that so often people want to be racist so bad, they don't even care what's good for them. And, you know, whatever. Uh, where are we at, y'all? 
trying to find this next story for y'all. Your boy got hungry for a second there. Side note, bro, this intermittent fasting is 316 right now, y'all, as I'm recording the podcast. So my body really knows when it's time to eat. And it's like, boy, it's almost four o'clock, man. My mind almost shut off on y'all for a second there. Um. Anyway. <clears throat> article states that a woman's US, a US woman's hair salon ruined by racism prompts police investigation. Police are now re-examining the case of Angel Pittman whose dreams of opening a mobile hair salon in North uh, Carolina were ruined by racism. In a response to the story published by The Guardian this week, the Rowan County Sheriff's Office has reached out to her family to see if we could further assist them. Uh, Pittman confirms that the sheriff's offices did contact her and the family and they seem concerned now they said to make another report and they'll investigate the sheriff's office has also uh, hold on y'all I hate when uh, let me read the original article I thought this article was going to be able to give us the update and the original but it ain't going to do that um Angel Pittman's dream was to create a mobile hair salon. So the 21-year-old stylist bought less than an acre of unrestricted land in North Carolina for $10,000 in September and purchased three school buses for $14,000 with money that she had saved since she was 17. I've never seen anyone driving around doing uh, doing people's hair, she said. But not only did I want to get paid for doing hair, but I wanted to drive around, do a couple of homeless people's hair, and maybe go to some prisons and help incarcerated people. Pittman's plan was to place the buses on the land, transform one into a living space, turn the other two into mobile salons so she could do hair on her property, set up shop at different locations, or do house calls. First of all, such a smart business idea. No lie, like that is such a good idea. And I got a country-ass uncle in Alabama who turned a bus into a house so I know it can be done. And before y'all call it ghetto, I want y'all to keep in mind, this young black girl wants to keep, she bought a, she bought an acre of land. She bought three buses. She said she's going to turn one into a home and two into businesses. These white folks running around here, living in vans and shit like that, being influencers and shit. And it's all cute and stuff like that all day long. Don't be trying to call it ghetto all of a sudden. Now that this girl want to do it. It's smart as fuck. It's literally a genius idea. Basically, she's $24,000 in. She got a crib. And a business that she didn't got into that. And a smart business move, bro. Mobile salon. I don't know. Anyway. And she got a good heart. Want to help people. They always fucking with. Oh, they always fucking with us. Um, But the goal was crushed before it even began because of where Pittman chose to buy land. Just outside of Salisbury, a small city in Rowan County, North Carolina. When she first visited the property and later uh, during the closing of the land, she felt something was off in a predominantly white neighborhood but forged ahead with her plans. During the closing, Pittman was encountered by an elderly white man who lived across from her property who said, oh, who she said had already given me weird vibes, but there was no indications of his intolerance. But about a week after closing, she returned with her mom to drop off the buses to the property, which is eight miles from Sal uh, Salisbury where or this time she said the man approached him and said why are you guys here are y'all looking for the shade are y'all looking for shade rowan county which is just 79 which is 79 percent white and 17 percent black is a sundown town 
uh, a Jim Crow era term used to reference an overwhelmingly white neighborhoods known for racial segregation. That's not what sundown towns are known for. I hate when these articles like sugarcoat what something is, nigga. A sundown town is a place where the white people told the niggas, if we catch you here after sundown, we'll kill you. Like, that's it. If you got caught in a sundown town and you was black after the sun went down, you could die there. They're like, yeah, you can come here and do your business during the day. We'll take your money, but make sure we don't catch you here after night because you don't got no fucking business here. That's what a sundown town is. Don't sugarcoat it and try and make it. Oh, it's a place where blah, blah, blah. Nah, whatever. Um, uh, uh, Ka- uh, Catherine, sorry, I lost my place. Catherine Sharon, a history professor at North Carolina State University, says sundown areas remain prevalent in places like Rowan County to limit home ownership from black Americans. Historically, it functions economically and politically to benefit uh, to the benefit of white supremacists. It's a matter of economic insecurity and rising economic inequality in the sense that white pop- property values will go down if black people move into the neighborhood and real estate agents blockbusting and taking advantage of that. Um, the, the I'm. I agree with what she's talking about to a degree, but I feel like she's really equating sundown towns to white neighborhoods. And from where I'm from, a white neighborhood that didn't want black people to live in it didn't qualify as a sundown town. You know what I'm saying? Like even that, even though lots of racist shit's going to happen in that, like they absolutely did that. There's violence, terrorism, all these things associated with that. I just feel like a sundown town to me is like an area where it's not like, oh, they don't want black people living there because of their property values. It's like, no, we don't fuck with niggas on any level and we refuse to have any niggas here. Um, anyway, um, although demographics of many uh, sundown towns like Rowan have shifted slightly, uh, the legacies and memories uh, remain there and few of those, a few of those towns still post signs that warn black people. That is true. Um, there was a town, uh, I think it was, was it Marlowe that still had a, a sign up? I think it was Marlowe in Oklahoma. It's probably like 30 minutes from where I'm from. And they had a sign up up until my life. Like I'm 30. It was, I knew about it. I never seen it, but it was like, I feel like I remember it being taken down type shit. Like it being a thing that they took the sign down. Um, uh, when Pittman returned with her parents after a week of dropping, uh, uh, a week after dropping the buses off, the neighbor's behavior became more violent. He sat over there and had his gun out the whole time. He said he was like, get the fuck off my lawn and that we need to get them fucking buses off his lawn. So basically saying that my land was his wild. He then noticed she didn't notice her bus had been vandalized. The gla- uh, the windows were broken. Racial slurs were etched. The man predominantly displayed Confederate flags, swastikas and KKK signs all over his yard, which Pittman said weren't there when she previously visited the plot. So all this is intimidation. Seeing the vandalism, uh, the vandalism and afraid her land and buses could have been wired with bombs or bear traps. She called the police. When Rowan County Sheriff's Office deputies arrived, Pittman and her parents reported what they saw as a hate crime, but the deputies at the scene immediately brushed it off, telling her, oh yeah, they do that all the time. The police talked to us for a little bit, but they didn't do anything. They just wrote the report, and that was that. That's what it be like in some of these towns where it's so entrenched into the culture that it's like, you can't even go to the police. The police is in it. Oh yeah, they do this all the time? Bruh. 
In an interview with The Guardian, one of the sheriff's captains, Mark McDaniel, said the officers who went to the scene knew the elderly man and did observe the damage in the broken windows and stuff that was spray painted on. When asked about the recourse for the attack, McDaniel said the incident happened before he started at the office. However, he said, according to the report filed by the deputies, there's no indica indication it was a targeted attack because the neighbor always had white supremacy signs displayed. So... There's no indication that there was an attack because he's always had the KKK signs. Pittman disagrees with McDaniel's claim, saying the elderly man's harassment and racist behavior were explicit and directed towards her. She maintains that the sheriff's office didn't do anything to follow up or make her feel welcome on the property because she wasn't. Because that's the thing about a son downtown in truth. No matter what, she wasn't welcome. Her black ass was never going to be welcome on that property. Um, even if the sheriff were willing to follow up. Oh, I'm sorry. When pressed about the explicit racist comments, uh, alleged racial hate crimes and destruction of property, which led Pittman to flee the county due to safety concerns, McDaniel said Pittman never called back to file another complaint. With no eyewitnesses or video of the vandalism in progress, the sheriff's office closed the case. Even if the sheriff were willing to follow up, uh, says Sharon, the history, uh, make an arrest, do something. If you don't have the law to back you up on the books that enables you to do that, to hold people accountable, you can't do anything. Uh, North Carolina has two hate crime statutes and in that include race. Uh, at the insistence of her family and fear for her life, Pittman has now moved back to Charlotte. She said she would have stayed on her land, which is still hers to this day. She felt safe, but instead she accepted the financial losses and now trying to rebuild from scratch. To have all that ripped from under me was really hurtful, she said. I cried for a long time. For someone to be hateful because of my skin color makes it even worse. It's really heartbreaking. Um, they're now raising funds to recoup her losses and buy, to buy unrestricted land in Charlotte. So far, she's managed to tow two of her three buses to Charlotte where the storage fees are racking up. The other buses still in Salisbury was so severely vandalized. It no longer runs. Pittman plans to find a way to fix it and bring it to Charlotte. Her family said she has been her family. She said has been her anchor through all this, especially her dad who won't let her go back to the property for her life. Of course not. I wouldn't let my daughter go back either. Um, one lesson she can't seem to shake even now is the explicit nature of bigotry and how even the police saw the status quo People make it seem like racism is over. She said, no, racism is just thrown under the rug. That is fucking sad, bro. Because at the end of the day, she's going to have to take that loss. And there's a reason why she chose that land. She chose that land because it was cheap, because it made business sense. She's like, oh, I get this land for this cost. I drive the buses. I only got to pay for the gas. Da, 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 da. She had factored all that into her business model to really make something. And in a, in a, country where all we hear is oh pull yourself up by the bootstraps blah 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 we get all of this when somebody really does it this is what they met with because at the end of the day this country is founded on racism bruh that's why we call this everything is racist the police racist the neighbor racist nobody wants to help this girl they like oh well the person who sold her the land exploited that they knew they knew she was not going to be able to live on that land. The person who sold her that land knew that shit. They took that bread anyway. You know what I'm saying? The vandal, it's just, it's just wild, bro. I, I, I don't even know what else to say about that. Fuck that old white man.
Um, I know we got got two more segments. You know what I'm saying, and then and then we're gonna be up out of here. Did I not download the whole? Hold on, y'all. Think I might have fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Might have to uh make a little detour real quick. Don't worry about it. I don't ever take too long as long as the as long as the intro webs is moving correctly. You feel what I'm saying? All I gotta do is type this in right here, and then bow. We got to do better. Y'all already know what it is. It's time for We Got to Do Better, the segment where we talk about the things as a black community that we have got to do better. More jailhouse calls reveal 19-year-old accused of Chinatown robbery, not understanding her charge. Within 24 hours of being arrested, the 17-year-old accused of paralyzing a single mother during a robbery started making damning calls from herself. Joseph Harrell, 17, is charged with aggravated robbery following, uh, this is a Asian name that I cannot pronounce, N-H-U-N-G, uh, I'm going to say Hung Tuyet, true, ah, uh, yeah, bro, I can't, the way that they names we have in, like, lots of consonants behind each other and like just it just they don't make the sounds that english makes so i can't read the names i need to hear it and i can say it all day but i damn sure can't read it so we're gonna just say in a completely non-racist way it's charged with aggravated robbery after uh following uh this asian lady for 23 miles from a bank to chinatown during the robbery, police say Harold threw the victim to the ground, leaving her with severe injuries. The robber was caught on clear surveillance video. The robbery was caught on clear. I'm oh, sorry. All calls. Bro, I'm fucking reading up right now, ain't I? All calls made by the inmates in Harris County Jail are recorded, like in all jails. Um, ABC 13 obtained copies of several of his jail calls and verified with the Houston Police Officers Union that it is Harold. It is unclear who he's speaking to in each of the calls. On March 17th, just after midnight, the teen explains to someone on the other end of the line what happened on February 13th. Basically, I went with these girls, bro, on some dumb shit. We were, we were snatching purses, Harold was her saying. I snatched the purse. Basically, when I snatched the purse, the lady ran with the money. I grabbed her and slammed her, and she was paralyzed. During one call, Harold directed someone to search for the case online. The person on the other end came across the surveillance video. Harold directed multiple people to his Instagram account to delete information. Jojo, is this you? The other person on the other line, what the fuck? Bro, chill, Harold responded. All right, look, you see that shit I got on, right? Harold said um, minutes later in the conversation, yes, the other person responded, go to my lives and look for that shit and delete all of that shit uh, because the laws took my phone. During another phone call, Harold asked the Instagram, asked the Instagram messages between himself and Zynika Woods, who was also charged in the case, also be deleted. Four days later, the teen asked someone to put to post his mugshot on his Instagram account 
with the cash in. I'm innocent and I'm going to come out on top. Boy, these little niggas still trying to flex, bro. Stop that. I'm innocent and I'm going to come out on top, bro. Told this homie to cash in it. Oh, my God, bro. Harold can be heard saying that he will not accept a 20-year sentence for his case, which he said was the maximum sentence for the aggravated robbery charge. Texas law says the punishment ranges from 5 to 99 years. I ain't tripping, Harold said on the phone. I'm going to come out on top with probation. The victim in this case has a GoFundMe account and has raised more than $300,000. Harold took issue with that during the call last week. Like, bitch, you already done ran up $230,000, he said. They say she ran up 230000 and she'll be back walking in a year. This nigga over here talking shit like, bro, she rich now. I really, bro, my nigga, when you think about it, I really am the reason she came up. She really need to be thanking you, boy. You think if I hit her up, she'll give me a cut of the bread type shit? Bruh, stop it. These can't be my people acting like this, bro. Uh, Harold's attorney. <laughs> told ABC 13 that it was unethical that his jail calls were released to the media. She said that she was assigned the case on Wednesday morning and only has access to limited discovery at this point. She says she does not have the jail calls. Uh, Evans went on to say that she finds it concerning that law enforcement is selectively releasing information to the media. She said that the case is playing out in the media and it is very one-sided right now. Co-defendant Woods, man, these lawyers be trying to cut for these little niggas, but bro, I'm telling you, some of them, you just got to let them go. This one right here, this is an example of one you just got to let go. He not, I'm not saying, listen, he not sorry. He not sorry. That's all I can say. She was heard on the phone crying to her mother. Oh, the co-defendant also admitted to crime uh, over recorded jail calls. Oh my God, bro. Have they never seen an episode of anything? Y'all when you pick up a jail phone, it tells you what's recording, bro. It's not a secret, bro. She was heard crying on the call to her mom saying, it's a lot, mama. I did something bad. I did something bad. When asked what she did, she responded, we hit on somebody, mama. We hit on someone. Woods went on to say that she drove the car and does not understand why she's being charged with aggravated robbery. She said the body slam that paralyzed the victim was uh, the deadly weapon in the case. Paralyzed don't have nothing to do with me, Woods said. Well, no. If you an accessory, you with it too, the person on the other end of the line said, if somebody go out there and rob a bank and I'm just in a car and I drive, I'm with it too. Because I didn't go in, uh, because I didn't have to go with them. You get it now? Yeah, Woods replying. That's her mama trying to speak some sense into her, bro. They both behind bars. Harold's mom was slashed uh, on Wednesday from 200000 to one hundred. Woods is set at five hundred. Um, That's, I think, in part because I think Harris County is on that bail reform shit. And I don't think that they're setting bail at like, these million dollar numbers that no one can ever hit because it's like that's not what bail's supposed to be whatever whatever um yo when i read that shit i was like this some nigga ass shit bro we're gonna slam the woman trying to steal her purse then we're gonna tell all on ourselves on the motherfucking phone call you could tell her mama was sick of her shit because she over here trying to that's some black shit too though the call with the girl and her mama because the, the girl is like, mama, I don't even understand. I ain't even do nothing, blah, 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 blah. Her mama like, what the fuck you mean? You ain't have nothing to do with it. Yeah, you did. You was there, was you not? So you knew what your little dumbass friends was doing and you went. That's called being an accessory. Period. 
I at least appreciate the fact that she ain't come from a knucklehead ass mama who like, yeah, free my baby, da da da. She shouldn't have done. Like, no, 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 shawty. She guilty. She did it, and that's where we at with this one. Um, y'all, we got one more thing. We getting up out of here because when I tell y'all that this hunger is starting to work on me like nobody's business, it's three thirty six. Your boy gets to eat in twenty four minutes. Um, so we're gonna do one more story, and uh, we're gonna be out of here for this week's episode. Sports car billionaire reportedly divorcing his wife over her dementia-like illness. According to the Daily Beast, sports car billionaire Wolfgang Porsche has filed to divorce his wife due to her years-long health struggles. Insider say 79-year-old Wolfgang, who was also the chairman of the automaker supervisory board, has found it impossible to live with 74-year-old Claudia Porsche as her dementia-like illness has resulted in permanent personality changes. Wolfgang and Claudia have reportedly been together since 2007, but didn't tie the knot until 2019. German outlet Bild states, Claudia's health began declining shortly after the wedding, but became drastically worse over the last several months. Sources say Claudia, a former professor and politician, is now unable to move independently and relies on round-the-clock care from house staff and her daughter, uh, Louisa Lehman. Claudia has reportedly been living with Louisa for the past couple of years. So, bruh, he divorcing her, but he being kicked her out as soon as it became a problem. Insiders tell the Daily Mail that Wolfgang is spending a lot of time with 59-year-old Princess Gabrielle of Leningen, his close friend of 25 years. Gabrielle, also known as Princess uh, Inara Aga Khan, had previous marriages to a couple of princes, Prince Earl Emick of Leningen and Aga Khan IV from... 2098 to 2014 romance rumors began swirling back in january after wolfgang and gabrielle were spotted vacationing together in the maldives sources close to gabrielle tell mirror the two have since moved in together because they didn't want to spend any time apart however it's unclear which home they're residing in so fam i guess he about to marry the new chick bro that's okay listen this is kind of trash nigga behavior to me at the at its highest order first of all it's still death to us part my nigga you can't be like oh you a little fucked up now you got sick now i'm not fucking with it that's trash you can't you can't be like that you gotta ride it out with her if she lose her mind first you supposed to be taking care of her the fact that her daughter was taking care of her we already knew it was some fuck shit but this is why my nigga is the ultimate fuck nigga ever because Let's be honest. She don't know nothing. She can't take care of herself. She can't go nowhere. She can't do nothing. You really could still be living your life, my nigga. You a billionaire. You could still be out here. I'm sure under the billionaire fidelity clause, from what I understand, billionaires get to fuck who they want anyway. So it's not like you was missing out on nothing. You was with her for 12 years before you married her, so you don't just have this big love of marriage. So you're like, oh, I believe in marriage, and I just had to be married. No, nah, bro, you cool with just a shouty being your little side piece for as long as she want to be that? That's all within your bio. That's in your MO. Now, all of a sudden, you got to get... So you're not getting divorced, so you get married is my point. You already rich. You don't need her money. Getting married is a, is a liability to a rich nigga, really. 
And she a princess. Bro, like, what? So you just a dog ass nigga just to be. He like, bro, wipe your own ass. Bro, that's wild, my nigga. His mom over there looking like uh like Sonny off of uh off of baby boys. I'm like, I wipe my own ass. I wipe my own ass. Like that's bro. That's wild. I don't even know, my nigga. That shit crazy to me, bro. I can't even I don't even got more words for that, bro. I think the story in and of itself is enough, bro. My nigga said, Hey, I I'm sorry, but I gotta go. Uh, nigga, she said, she said, till death do us part. <laughs> and that nigga said, and got him a new bitch, bro. <laughs> oh, man, I'm done. Anyway, y'all, uh, it's been dope. I love y'all. It's been dope having another episode with just me. You know, I love having guests on, but this is how the podcast started. Just one deep. It was cool doing it again. You know what I'm saying? I had to make sure I still had it in my bag. You feel what I'm saying? Make sure y'all tune in next week. Make sure that you tell people about the podcast. Word of mouth is the best way to grow podcast support. Make sure that you subscribe if you want extra shit early. Make sure that you click the wish list for a nigga birthday. Make sure that you check out the fucking human rights fucking uh, petition from X nigga that shit is still in the show notes that shit is still going bro and and most of all man make sure y'all have a great motherfucking week until we get to do some more crazy shit on this motherfucker I see y'all next week I love y'all as always peace yeah double up the respect Came through the wire, fresh out the fire, my mind check. Leaning and rocking, feel it yourself, it's high tech. Moving pieces all on the board, my nigga trying to see. Mm. My gift to gab on us. Escape trials and tribulations, fighting your honor. Shark in the water, grabbing for paper like I'm Nirvana. Code of honor that I follow, my nigga, is worth Huh. Homie, fuck your greasy granny them. He been slapping shit so long, they gotta come and Grammy him. He so fly, he walk on stars, solar systems carry him. Bank account status when they bury him. Billion. Uh, make sure you say it two times. Dre, Dre, nigga. Make sure you say it two times. <laughs> Trying to see the salad with the croutons. Laying the foes down like futons for the... Billion. Yeah, man, you not tuning in there. Fuck this shit podcast. And billions 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 and bill